0: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray bringing it to you remotely this week as the coronavirus pandemic continues to dominate headlines and lives both within and outside of golf. I'm recording from my palatial country residence today instead of the sprawling Sydney Podcast Studios Complex. Both of those descriptions an example of hyperbole, a sentiment many have ascribed to the reaction of golf authorities to these bizarre times we are living in. Depending where you live in Australia, golf either continues with restrictions or is completely off the table. But beyond directions and government intervention, a divisive debate rages among golfers themselves about whether or not the game should be continuing in this time of crisis. Shortly, one of our favourite guests will join us to discuss all that. Matt Day will be along from Perth with his always insightful take on where golf fits. In the weird and wonderful new world we now live in, my regular co-host Adrian Logue will also of course join us from his palatial Harborside digs, uh, that of course is another example of hyperbole, before that whether you're playing golf or not, you do need to wear clothes. And if you're going to wear clothes, they should be nice clothes. And if you're in the market for nice clothes, I can tell you the best place to get them is from our and Golf network sponsor, the Golf Society. No need to go to the shops and breach social distancing regulations. Just surf your way over to thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash and Golf. And the forward slash talk and Golf become important. I'll tell you why in a minute. Not only do you get access to a terrific range of top brands, but it also entitles you to a special and Golf discount with your first purchase. Regular listeners know the drill already but everything from Nike and Ralph Lauren to Jay Lindenberg and Peter Miller are the stock in trade at the Golf Society. And they sell everything from golf shoes to apparel and accessories. So make sure you check them out. That's www.thegolfsociety.com.au. Forward slash talking golf and I actually had a chat to Aaron. How many, how many G's in talking golf? Yeah. I tell you, I'll give you, I'll give you two guesses, Logue. Uh, I'm guessing one. Just the one. Look at you guys, finally starting to catch on. Nailed on it. G. Nailed it. I, uh, I had a chat to Aaron last week, and he's going to come on the show at some point in the next few weeks, and just have a discussion about business, not just what the coronavirus has done, but business and the move to online and all those other things. It's an interesting market that he's in, I think. So we'll look forward to that. Let's get on with today's show in the interim, though. I'll start with my co-host, Logue, who, of course, has already butted in to make himself known, continues to self-isolate. Still no office for you, Adrian. And any indication when normal might return on that front? And don't forget to tell people where they can find you.
1: I think we're on the same... Well, the, the place that I work, we're at the same sort of schedule as the rest of the country where we're anticipating... Being in this for the long haul, yeah, you know, three to six months of working from home, probably. So,
0: how's that? How, far, How are you finding it? To be honest, some people have really struggled.
1: Some people think it's fantastic. Where do you fall? It's it's like a unique sort of a holiday, isn't it? Like <laughs> it's it's you know you're working and all of those responsibilities are still there. But I'm, I've worked from home quite a lot with yeah. my own business, but it's um, uh, it, it is a little bit different this time, perhaps because. Of just, the, of just how quiet everything is. Um, you know, it's not – everything's not sort of at a frantic pace. It's, it's
0: not the normal work from home. Life's it? just We're slowed down. Pop yeah. to the cafe or do something with kids and go and do some shopping. All of that stuff's all changed. Uh, where, where can people find you?
1: Uh, com or at AdrianLogue on Twitter or at AdrianLogue on Instagram. I was speaking to one of our listeners this morning who just read
0: your player's championship filleting job and he was very very oh, yeah. happy with it yeah indeed so you can find that at adrianlog.com if you're not sure what I'm talking about uh, go to the blog good karma some, uh, some good stuff to be read. From the other side of Australia, we're lucky and honoured to be joined by one of my favourite guests any time you talk about the business of golf. Matt Day should be at the top of the list of people you talk to. Matt is currently manager at the Collier Park Complex in Western Australia uh, but that role has also now grown a bit. He was just telling us before we started to record, we'll get him to fill us in on that. He's a man with his finger very much on the pulse of the golf business, his mind very much engaged in its ebbs and flows. Matt, it's great to catch up again, I'm sure like everybody else these are strange times indeed for you you in WA like the rest of us how are you my friend and thank you for taking some time
2: it is and good morning to both of you yeah it's a, it's an interesting time in golf it's the last probably 3 weeks has been a like a just a massive shift in where we're at from uh, sort of end of February into early March, and then all of a sudden by the end of March, we've got golf courses closed, some are open, so it's a very confusing time for everyone, I think. It's an
0: incredible quickly moving target, isn't it? I think that might be the thing about it. You know, you have issues from time to time, things pop up, and something might happen, and the club's not going great, there's a financial crisis, or there's this, that, or the other. The way this thing has so rapidly changed from one day to the next, sometimes, it's all. It's almost impossible to keep up with the information, including for the people who are giving out the information, isn't
2: it? It is, and I mean, we we, we did some work for um, South Perth, City, South Perth, who owned Collier Park um, last week, just to put a timeline back to where it, where it sort of started and what the end result was. And I think from about the sixteenth of March through to the till we shut on the twenty seventh or twenty eighth of March, you know, it was almost daily we were changing things. So. Um, you know, social distancing, taking the flags out um, Through to the F&B operator, shutting down um, After the, the notice on the 23rd, there was no alcohol to be served So that changed the, the environment straight away And then they closed their kiosk two days later So, yeah, over that period of time, it, it, it changed daily A lot of the planning you did on a Friday, by Sunday, was thrown out the window So everyone's adapted I think now's a better time We sort of got used to where we're at But, yeah, the last couple of weeks were pretty hard
0: we, we do adapt incredibly quickly as humans, don't we, Like, Truth be told, we don't really like it. We do a lot of complaining. But at the end of it all, it's pretty, pretty remarkable how quickly you get into new routines. I've certainly found that for myself. I'm sure you have too.
1: Yeah, you, you fear a little bit that governments have, will look at this and go, wow, I can't believe we got away with forcing all those changes on everybody <laughs> so quickly. I wonder what we can get away with in other scenarios. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the population has – like well, the whole world really is – pretty unified in their approach to this um, where possible. Uh, you know, some countries have got it a lot worse than us and countries that don't have the wealth or resources that, that we've got, you feel for them. They're um, uh, they're in really desperate mm-hmm. times Sorry. Um, and with their economies coming to a halt. I um, saw a fantastic uh, piece on Twitter
0: um, the other day, uh, an Indian writer. Uh, it might have been an Indian doctor yes, who'd written I read, read that. Saying, that was devastating. A, yeah. That's right. It's a privilege. If, you, if you're self-isolating, that's a privilege poor people can't mm-hmm. they don't have the option to do that if you're, if you're not able to go to the supermarket whatever, that's a privilege that you're allowed to do that it's uh you're right there's people doing it a lot harder before we come to some of the issues matt tell us what you're actually in charge of now you're saying that i think you said you've taken over the cut there so tell people what you actually do there, what's your actual because i've done a shocking job and then tell us what that actually involves
2: uh, so uh, yeah, I, I'm now. So I work for a company called Clublinks. I think last time we spoke it was with Clublinks as well. So we're a management company across Australia, not just into golf. We do leisure management, sort of Deakin University, those things as well. Um, so we we started with Collier Park over in Perth. It's actually two years. I think this week or last week, um, and then we've, we we um, entered an agreement last July to to help the uh, the owners down at the Cup run their facility and try and push that in the right direction. It's been a, a venue that's got all the um, potential in the world, but it's, it's struggled over the years to, to um, even pay for itself, to be honest. So we're working with the owners there to um, get that venue where it should be in the golf world, which is um, you know, it's ranked 36, I think, with Golf Digest or Golf Australia magazines, and um, it just needed a push, so we're working with them. So I'm sort of looking after both of those venues now.
0: It's funny, isn't it, Golf? You can have an, a, a fantastic asset like that. And sort of struggle, and then there's other places with assets that are far less spectacular that do really well. It's a tricky business, this golf, isn't it? We all say what we yeah, want it, is a great golf course, but that's not quite the truth, is
2: it? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, the the golf course at the cut. When you stay on the twelfth tee, you're just amazed at how good the place is. Um, it's a tough golf course, so that's got its um, got its issues, and we're working through those, trying to make it a bit more playable. But it's about um, not just the golf course; it's where it's located. The member base, you know, it's a competitive market down in that area, in the Peel region in Mandurah. There's a couple of good, very good private Mm -hmm. clubs down there. Um, And they've got a group of owners that have basically been putting money in for the last 10 years to keep the place going. Um, One of them said to me, you know, it's the most expensive game of golf he's ever had. (laughs) (laughs) He's played once. And so, you know, they they can see the the long-term future there, Mm -hmm. but they're also out of their own pocket and they've been putting money in for the last 10 years. And um, we're just in there now to help them out, move it forward to a, a point where it at least breaks even, and then move forward. We've got some plans down there to do some redevelopment and, and a little bit like Koi Park or Wembley. You know, get that activation going, get the locals. There's a big local community there. Get them involved with the facility, so it's not just the golf course, which is I think what we spoke about last year.
0: Yeah, what does this do? to that. There's a lot of people in similar situations. I'm not in a completely dissimilar situation myself. It was about this time last year I started this new business of having a podcast studio and running a podcast school and free plug for my own businesses, of course, uh, there at Sydney. And it was just starting to pick up early this year and I'd made some decisions and learned a bunch of stuff, mistakes I made last year and things to do better. And all of a sudden, everything feels like it's kind of off the table and you're scrambling to come up with an entire new business plan to meet this new world. Is it the same sort of thing for the cut, especially having just gotten involved, Matt? You, you could look at this as extraordinarily yeah. bad luck, couldn't you?
2: <laughs> it's, it was Yeah, the timing wasn't great. I mean, we, we do business plan with all our, um, all our partners about this time of the year, so we've sort of progressed with the cut and Collier Park over here with business plans and where we're going for the next financial year. We're probably 80% done um, by the you know, end of February, early March, and then all of a sudden that, that, those business plans have gone pretty much. Same with the budgets, so we're we're in a holding pattern with both. Um unfortunately I think for, for Golf and WA we had a really tough week um December, really tough two weeks. We had a lot of 40 degree days, so it was a it was a hard month. And then January and February were really good, really positive. And even into early March, I think the industry here was really buoyant and and, and thinking this could be this could be a good year. And yeah, we've in two weeks had to change that totally. Um so the cuts at the moment, we've got two ground staff on just maintaining it in a caretaker mode, and we've got a, a venue manager down there just looking after the facility a couple of days a week because there's no money coming in. As, as most clubs, there's no membership fees now. Everything's on hold, so it's really just a it's a holding cycle. You know, still money going out for paying some bills, but really just keep the place maintained and see where we're at in the, you know whether it's two weeks or a month. Whether we can reopen, so you've got a product to uh, sell it, when it comes, Adrian.
1: Yeah. On. Oh, so membership fees are on hold there at those clubs. Is that is that right? Well, that's
2: what we we took the decision of the cut when in, in conjunction with the owners to put the membership on hold. So if we shut for a month, uh, the members who have prepaid will get a membership you now another month of their membership at the end of the year. So the cut's on a calendar year, so that that helps. Um, those are the prepaid. If they put their membership on hold by the, not paying the prepayment, then, um, oh, sorry, the direct debit, they'll just maintain their membership as it is. And um, yeah, once we're through it, then we'll, we'll add the value back at the back end of the the membership for them. So next year's budget will be impacted by um, whether it's you know, one month, two months, or short okay. time frames of
1: 2020,
2: 2021. 20, 20,
1: 20, yeah. Yeah. And, and you're in touch with a lot of other golf club managers. Is that a practice that you think a lot of golf clubs are going to adopt over the coming months?
2: I haven't had that confirmed, but I think a lot of them will. I think if you don't, you're going to lose members um, that won't come back. And that's probably a bigger problem or as big a problem as what we've got now is we're we're closed. But if we open and we've lost 100 members, Mm. you're Mm. not going to get those people back. And I think most clubs would be looking at trying to add the value and say, look, stay with us a little bit like gym memberships are doing now, just stay with us.
1: We'll turn off um, the direct debits. And,
2: yeah, because at the end of it, when back. we reopen, we want you to come back. And yeah. if we've lost, even for a place like the cut, if they lost 20, 30 members, that's that's significant. And I think a lot of clubs are in that position where you know thirty to fifty members leave, um, and they reopen on a on a reduced budget. It's going to hurt clubs significantly. But on the flip side, people are doing it tough with um, you know, reduced wages or no wages mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So it's it's trying to cater for that, but have a business to open when the when the doors are opened again.
1: It's a fine balance, isn't it? The, <laughs> and time is the enemy, really. It's uh, the longer this goes on, the more strain yeah. those businesses get under, and but the whole Absolutely. economy gets under this enormous strain. The the and and just to clarify, there's no golf occurring in Western Australia at the moment, or Western Australia. No, there
2: is. There is. Yep. So okay. this is. this yep. is part of that mixed messaging. Um, and there's a little bit of confusion from the, the advice coming out of the state government. Um, there's some directives around, um, you know, playing playing twos. Um, if you're a family member, you can do certain things. So pretty much the timeline was on the 27th of March, which was, what, two Fridays ago, pretty much every private club in Perth took the decision to shut because the, the, the advice then was you could only play in a single. So it was one person per group. So. Yep. Just for a lot of people, it didn't make financial sense to, to open from a public point of view, but also how did you manage it? And you could play in the two, but it was with a family member and it was it was very, very confused. So a lot of people took that decision on the Friday. It was almost a bloodbath on Friday afternoon. It really was that that Friday. We did just saw one club sharpened and then another and it, they just folded like a deck of cards. Um, now we've got a little bit different advice and you can play in twos, So some people then took the decision the week after to reopen, a little bit like New South Wales did. I think some of them shut and reopened the day after. But for a place like Collie Park, um, you know, it's council run and we've been working with the council closely to to reopen. We we basically shut the business down. So it took us a couple of days to shut the pro shop down, do all the things we needed to do, and we had to stand staff down, which is horrible to do. Um, so to reopen would take probably three to four days to re-engage the staff, get the shops stocked back up and do all those sort of things. And we really didn't want to be in the decision then that a week later it could shut again. Yeah. So I think some of us have gone down that path where we've, we've closed and we'll, we'll review, um, I'm, I'm talking to South Perth at the end of this week, um, around where we're at with Collier Park, and we'll do the same with the owners of the cut. But other venues... Um, have taken the decision to open, but they're only operate, operating with two bulls. Yeah. And I think that you know, generally the tea times are around 10, 10 to 12 minute tea times. So you're not putting a lot of golfers through no. per day. No. Um, Just to and some seen- of the advice we had.
0: I was just going to say, that that I just had a look on the Golf Australia website. They've been updating, uh, the last update was on Thursday, April the 2nd about it. It seems that from a regulation standpoint, Victoria, as far as I can gather, is the only state that's actually regulated. You can't play golf. Everybody else is sort of free to make their own decision. We know Golf Australia has taken the position that they don't think golf clubs should allow the courses to be open at this time, Australia-wide. And we know that some facilities within various states have followed that advice and others... Aren't so you're right, there's a lot of mixed messaging out there, and there's a lot of uh debate. Sorry, I interrupted you there, Matt. You were telling us, Collier, yeah, 27 hole facility just for, for people that don't yep, know, is that right? 20, yep, so it's a 27
2: hole public golf course, yeah, busy golf course.
0: A lot of golf goes through
2: there, doesn't it? It's busy. I mean, Wembley, Wembley took the decision even three days earlier, and that's so the town of Cambridge closed Wembley. I think it was on Tuesday, the 23rd or twenty, whatever that Tuesday was. They shut down early, they went early. Um, and I've spoken to Josh, who's the general manager, and it was really just about. The volume of people going through the venue made it almost impossible to do the social distancing. Right, and and Collier was pretty much the same. You know, small small pro shop, even with all the, you know, the regulations in place and your distancing, we took all the no outdoor furniture. The cups were everything was gone.
1: But no ball washers. What are people going to do without their ball washers? <laughs> I know. Just oh, that's a good one. Let's so. let's get rid of them permanently.
2: Yeah. Um, so it, it just in a busy public golf course, very hard to. As yeah. much as people would say they do the right thing, yeah, you know, they go past the first hole and,
0: and right. jumping
2: in carts and sharing, and it just made it very hard from a public point of view to, to keep that facility maintained to the correct standards. Um, some of the emails going backwards and forwards last week that the police have visited three of the golf courses that were still open, yeah. and we're checking those social distancing. Regulations That's in and Sydney you know, is,
1: and Queensland as well. We've heard, yeah,
2: and the fines are substantial, so you're, you're risking some some decent money there if you're not doing the right thing. So, um, yeah, City of South Perth, I think, took the right decision. We agreed with them, we will keep it closed for the period of time and see what happens. Um, um, WA has been really tight on the COVID 19 restrictions, so the um, whether that starts to plateau and drop, we we'll won't see, but others decided to open from a member point of view or from a business point of view, and they're just running twos, um, single carts. You know, it's really restricted access into golf, no food and beverage. So it's just played.
0: Kind of pretty, a no-win pretty, situation, isn't it? Oh,
2: yeah, Matt, If it you're is. running
0: a golf club, you, you kind of can't win games. It doesn't matter which way you go, people are going to find fault, and both sides have legitimate points to make. This is the problem with
2: this Yeah, th- th- There's no right answer in this. It's really hard to... Um, It's really hard to to work through. Um, I mean, I've been on, you know, I'm working from home now and I hate it because I've been on golf courses for the last 18 years and you get used to talking to staff and customers and it's busy and vibrant and all of a sudden you're at home with two teenage kids trying not to kill each other. Uh, yeah. And doing homeschooling, all that sort of stuff. But it's, yeah, there's no right answer. I, I I get it for the guys that opened and kept going, and I get it for the people that shut. It's right, it's, yeah. it's really, unless there's a clear mandate, and if the state government in Perth said you close tomorrow, then obviously every, everyone would have to. Yeah.
1: But
2: nice the advice was you could play in twos, you just follow the rules yeah. and regulations.
1: And there's other regulations as well, right? Like you can't get out of your car until 10 minutes before your tea time. And that well, used to some, be a two-shot penalty, really. Was, yeah. Was, you know, <laughs> but so you yeah, can't, out, can't get out of car until 10 minutes before your tea time. The, there's a recommendation that the groups be spaced like 10 minutes apart. But I think yeah. a lot of clubs are, flaunt, are like a, going very close to the edge with that one.
2: Yeah. Um, it's in an it's, it's very out. hard to manage. I, I just, um, as I said, you know, I've spoken to people playing at other venues. and they, Once they've passed the first hole and outside of the pro shop, you know, the one per cart rule, yeah, vanished yeah, and they yeah, jumped yeah. in and you well, just can't manage a lot of clubs are just banning
1: carts and you know and over seventy golfers obviously strongly discouraged from coming to golf.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's been a tough couple of weeks to to go through that because we we are getting feedback from both sides of the camp around why you open, why you close. And I know Josh at um, Wembley's getting that feedback from people that want to play and it's good exercise and all those points then other people are driving past on the road and seeing people playing golf, going, well, hang on. Our sports are shut. Why is golf special? Why is golf getting an exemption? So, yeah, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, I think, at the moment.
0: For a game with an existing image problem, that one's particularly damaging, I think. Yeah, it doesn't help. Sorry, for a lot of people. <laughs> It'll just take
1: one bad photo, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. You've
0: got... Absolutely. Or, or um, conversely, one coronavirus case picked up at golf, which is is not an unlikely scenario. This has been incredibly divisive amongst golfers themselves, Adrian. The, the yes. invective on Twitter has been bitter. I imagine Facebook's the same. I'm not a big Facebook user, but I know that the golf Astro- when Golf Australia put out their statement last week on Facebook, they got hammered. Uh, by golfers accusing them yep. of all sorts of things, and apart from which one of them being, you know, you're supposed to be standing up for the game. It's been incredibly divisive, hasn't it? Much more so than almost any of the other
1: issues that we discuss. It's been quite disappointing to see, I think. Well, I think we've had it demonstrated to us as well that it doesn't matter what position you take, you're going to get hammered. Mm. Matt Cleary, our, our mate um, yeah. from... Uh, Member at Long Reef here. sat
0: directly on piece. the fence. He couldn't have been
1: anymore well, on the fence. <laughs> well, he, he did write a follow-up piece where he said, no, look, I've decided now, I think we should be playing. And he got absolutely <laughs> hammered. So <laughs> it was just, you can't win either way. Um, and there's very few people come out in support of you either way. I think when if they just agree with your thing, you might get a like or something, but you know, people don't get too vocal about um, encouraging uh, positive vibes on social media, so... Uh, yeah, you're kind of stuffed both ways. I, I I must admit, I read all of that and I agree with all of it, yeah. <laughs> both sides of it. I agree with both sides of it. It's very, really frustrating. I mean, personally, I think my position is that I I personally don't want to be playing golf at the moment. And I, I'm sorry, I really do want to be playing golf, but I can imagine myself out there and then that little voice in my head saying, you shouldn't be doing this. Like I get that voice in my head at the best of times. I was when I'm, about to I'm say, like,
0: isn't that your standard putting
1: routine? <laughs> yeah. where well, I'm, I'm, I'm standing out in the course, like 20 over par and thinking to myself, Why am I doing I'm a grown adult yes. out here playing this game for you know four or five hours and I should be at home for doing something more constructive. But um, I can imagine that uh, being all the more um, in my head if, uh, if I was to go out and have a game now, you yeah, know, that said, I, I can't imagine the sort of golf I would like to play and feel not guilty about at all would be just going out by myself for six holes or something late in the afternoon. But it's a little bit difficult to do that because courses are pretty full in New South Wales at the moment with the demand for tee times and the restrictions that are on tee times at the moment. Courses are kind of – tee sheets are kind of full from dawn till dusk. So uh, it's it's a bit hard to get a game in.
0: Matt, it strikes me as a golfer. I'm like Adrian. I, I wouldn't feel right, I don't think, going to play. And I haven't played uh, since the you know the shutdown, open up, shutdown, open up again. I haven't played through all of that. Been doing a lot of engaging with people, obviously, on social media about it. I, I'm not sure whether you might have any feedback. I can't imagine that golf under these circumstances would be that much fun. It wouldn't resemble the golf we're used to, would it, really?
2: It, it doesn't. I think... Um the, the big thing we saw over here was as soon as the food and beverage component was taken away, that changed the vibe straight away, um, just from that social, you know, have a beer afterwards and catch mm-hmm. up with your mates. So that changed a little bit. But I think people that are uh, the, the golf junkies, so to speak, would just want to play. They mm-hmm. just want to play. And, and um, if the course is there, they're, they're just getting outdoors and they're meeting their mates. And I get all that. Um, yeah, they want to play. So meaning no mate, rakes,
1: singular. Mate, <laughs> yeah, mate, right. Mates over uh, several holes. <laughs> I disagree, actually. I think the type of golf that people are playing at the moment might actually find its way into the post COVID golf world. Um, there's there's elements of it which I think
0: oh, people explain are. Explain
1: yourself. What are you talking about? Well, the I think the, the relaxed rules of golf um, oh, up for that, that have come I'm through sure. from the RNA. No um, flags
0: is a great thing. I think that's a great idea. Mm
1: yeah we just don't care about the flags or um and and the the rules around the testing a score with a marker and all that sort of things being relaxed and that's wonderful but for me at a club we're going to get
0: emails now did you just say that oh, they yeah, need that's, for a marker? That's how, being,
1: i
2: mean oh well but that's 80% of, sure. that's 80% of public golf anyway yeah. adrian that's how they play yeah. exactly
1: and <laughs> i i think the sky hasn't fallen down um I, you know i'm i'm involved in handicapping and i'm i'm not seeing any issues on it on, on that side of things, and uh, and people are still required to attest their score, but they're just being encouraged to do it verbally. So um, I just think there's nothing wrong with that. Well, the golf elements I agree, but it isn't. I think for most of us, most
0: of us, the social element is the well, bigger component. If it, if it was a, if did, it was well, only two reasons it, to play, one was golf and one was social. Social surely more than fifty. For well, for me, I suppose is. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I, can, well, some of the- I, I imagine going out and playing golf with my mate, Coxie, under these circumstances yeah. would not be <laughs> as doesn't fun. play anymore. <laughs> he does play. Indeed, he does play. In fact, he's been driving it beautifully, he told me, the other week. So, Coxie's game turned around at the wrong time. But if I went out to play with him, I just can't imagine that being as much fun as the last time we played on a Wednesday afternoon in a four-ball against two others with a bowl of chips on the line and all of that other stuff. Oh, that,
1: we'll get you know, back to that type of golf. But the, the sort of things um, I'm thinking are um, – uh, vastly improved at the moment the reduced maintenance on courses people suddenly realize well we don't we can't afford gardens like we've we've only got two people out in the course all we can do is sort of gang mow the whole property and uh, we've sort of got to get in and out in shifts as quick as we can and do it as efficiently and for as low cost as we possibly can it really brings into focus what's important and what's not and um, I, I know, for instance, in some Sydney courses, which will go unnamed, they've completely changed the mowing lines as a result of this because you just can't be fastidious about having uh, graduated rough or anything like that. And, you know, changing changing mowers to, to get into the rough is a big issue and you're only out there one or two days a week um, to be able to do it. So you, you just sort of gang mow the whole thing and uh, it's it's actually improved the golf significantly. Um, on some Sydney courses um, at a time when the grass is still growing like crazy as well. Mm. Um, and the simplification of comps, like this is maybe a distinctly Australian thing, but but we're just fascinated with these insane number of different exotic competition types in Australia. Well, now every single club has just gone, well, you know, we're going to give that up. We're just, everyone go out and play single Stableford um, and that's it. It's, and it's just vastly simpler and and better i mm. not sure I 100% agree with you about that but I do in, in some
0: ways Matt, are there any silver linings to this from a golf well, you're in sort of course administration, facility administration are there any potential silver linings the maintenance one in particular that Adrian mentions there this is a little bit like the break from professional golf that we're having it's an interesting social experiment isn't it how will golfers react uh, to reduced maintenance when they return, will they have learnt the lesson that it's, that condition is Overemphasized in this game to the detriment of the game?
1: That's my position, but I can't state that. Or, or the extra stuff is the thing, like gardens. And, yeah, well, gardens. And and sort of, well, do of you really Man need Grove gardens Island? or hedges? <laughs> yeah. Do you need to go out and clip hedges sure. to form perfect little rectangles? Yeah. Does
0: that broader point <laughs> make sense to you, Matt? What do you think is, the, is going to be the It,
2: it, it does in a way. I think in Perth we do it a little bit differently anyway because the um, majority of courses here are run pretty lean as far as maintenance. Um, even, you know, Take away the late Harren Ups of the world. I think even the the Tier One private clubs do um, a pretty amazing job on you know, seven or eight ground staff and, and not big budgets. But it, it will change the landscape because the, as I said, like the cuts on two staff at the moment working fifty percent hours. So really, all they're doing down there, and that's the super and the mechanic. All they're doing down there is mowing tees, fairways, and greens. Then, mm-hmm. like the Sydney Harbour Bridge, they go back and do tees, fairways, greens. So that's the important things. Um, yeah the other stuff is put to the side so I think when we come back into operation we get, we are going to see reduced uh, maintenance budgets because clubs are going to have to, to look at where their, their dollars are going and I, I can see the the maintenance side of it being scaled back a bit just in the early stages and it'll be it will be as Adrian said it won't be fail beds it'll be the playing services and simplicity to keep it um, nice and easy and um, see what happens from there. I think Australian superintendents do an amazing job anyway. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the stuff they do for the dollar that they you know, staff numbers they've got and the dollars they spend versus the Americans. They're, yep. they're probably world leaders up with the English guys around yep. you know, small budgets and do it well. Yeah, that sort of uh, yep.
1: sorry where you go, Andrew. Well, they they absolutely are. And well, the other thing I'm interested in your thoughts on Matt. You a lot of your job is to find revenue in all sorts of areas that from a golf club. So um, Wembley, during your time there, got a a mini golf course introduced and there's a driving range there and um, all sorts of other peripheral stuff. Yep. And those all form incredibly important revenue streams for a golf club. And I think you're looking to do some of the similar similar stuff at Collier Park. There's a mini golf being planned there at Collier Park. Um, Yep. And uh, I think you mentioned an aquatic centre. Is that <laughs> so, yes? Yes, so um,
2: they're two separate projects but linked. Does yep. that make sense?
1: Um, it's fantastic stuff. But um, and we've talked in the past about how that brings new people into the golf club, and then they see golf being played, and they they might get interested in playing golf on the big course and all that sort of stuff. Um, how important? I mean, those things are obviously going to take a massive hit. Like they, those, are kind of the first things you shut down as a result of this latest scenario what does that do to a club that is relying on those things it, like a, is that a, you know if, if a club is basing its survival on lots of different revenue streams is, is that a good thing yeah. is that is that the sort of thing that's survivable through this sort of a process
2: uh that's it's a great question like i think um the experience that Wembley would be that when they come back, they've got more things to generate revenue than, than just a public golf course that doesn't. So I think that's probably a strength. They might not do as much. Um, say mini golf there wouldn't do as many rounds as they did previously, but they're still going to make money out of that. Um, I think those that have got diversified income streams are possibly going to be in a better place.
1: Because I guess the opposing this. view is if you take a – Take an extreme view of a golf course, which is just completely minimal on the side of you know clubhouse facilities and like a very basic clubhouse, and every little dollar they've got they put it into the golf course and making the golf experience as good as their limited budget will allow. Is a course like that more recession safe? I, I, I'm wondering, or is you know is the responsibility that a Wembley or a Colliers Park a Collier Park takes? Where you know you're really taking a lot of the burden. They're, they're some of the most influential clubs in Australia, really, because they introduce so many people to golf club environments. Um, but with that responsibility comes this this risk that um, uh, that a much smaller club isn't necessarily exposed to.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question. I think. um It'll be about, um, I think there's an old English saying, but you're sort of cutting your cloth to suit the circumstance. So I think when we come back, I think the big thing that will change in, in in my space, especially Collier, probably Wembley and those big, busy public courses. I think golf retail will change dramatically. So the focus on trying to sell clubs and and those sort of things, I think will will uh, diminish. Just from a from a competitive point of view, you know, stockholding point of view, we're probably going to restrict. Um, those sort of things, and the dollars, I think it was sixty cents today. So selling nine hundred dollar drivers yeah. is just n- not an easy thing to do.
0: Has things been so moving golf away retail anyway, Matt? Sorry, have things been moving it, away? It's been an
2: interesting case of
0: golf retail, hasn't it, for a long time? It had,
2: years. it had, it had. It's it's definitely the last year and a half to two years has really been tough mm. from a green grass point of view. You're competing with the big. Um, the big online providers, mm. so that's that's a hard market and the dollar's not been great. So, yeah, $800 drivers don't walk out of the door. Um, so I think we'll simplify the retail offering. Um, I've seen the debate on golf carts and I've got a view on both sides of it. I generally don't play in a golf, uh, golf cart when I get the opportunity, but I, from a revenue point of view, the facilities I've been at, golf carts do provide a significant revenue stream and people do ask for them. So as much as people don't like them, you know, the young guys in particular love golf carts. Um, so I think that, that income stream will still be there. It might not be as great as before, but it's a fixed cost. The carts are there on site anyway, so we're going to have to get them out and about. Um, yeah, I, I, from a private club point of view, I think it's, it'll be just that simplification of the process to um, make sure that...
0: ..that... Um, <laughs> World War Three going on <laughs> yes. in the background. there. Yeah, that's my thirteen-year-old schooling. Dog in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, year 13 year thirteen-year-old boy. Oh, so yeah. you just let the dog in. Um, sorry. Uh, so yeah, private clubs will think it will just be around reducing their cost to suit their revenues. Mm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I think when we open the doors, it'll be it will be interesting to see how people react. And, and I think. The first couple of months will be. Um, you know, if we open in winter, for example, it's going to be tough anyway. It always is. So you, you, you're going to reduce your um, what you think you're going to do anyway, and then see where it goes once we get into spring and summer. But it, it won't be the same. That's definitely no. The, the game's changed now, come hasn't out it? of that. It,
0: irrevocably. Yeah, it's going so. to be different no matter what, and that goes. That's true for all golf, professional, recreation – the stark reality, Matt, is that we are going to lose some golf clubs. There's no question about that, is there, because of this. This will be the last straw for some clubs uh, Particularly in the market where we country. know that... That's right. The, the ones we really don't can't afford to lose are probably the ones that we will lose. That's the tragedy of it. But the, in harsh economic terms, it's a, a market correction has been coming for some time, and this will be the final straw, I would think, for some clubs. Does that... The question then becomes, does that create opportunities for those who can think creatively. It seems to me that creative thinking is going to be the key for clubs to survive these next 12 to 18 months as restrictions ease and those. And those. People are still going to be a little bit reticent about going to play golf, I imagine, even once the go-ahead is given. I think we've all changed in a way that you, you'll never just comfortably mingle with big groups of people the way you used to previously. I don't think that'll ever be the case, or certainly not for a very long time. So we don't know how the public's going to be up. What do you think about that, the notion that we will lose some, but the creative thinking is going to be the key going forward for, for clubs to survive.
2: Uh, yeah, look, I think unfortunately that's that's probably where where the industry's been at for a while, and this is the, the, the trigger to, to push some of them over the edge. I, I think you've got to be creative. You've also got to have cash flow. <laughs> you've got no cash flow. Um, you know, as I was saying someone last week, it's, you can have all the ideas in the world, but if someone's not going to snuff up the money to to back that in and do it, it's going to be difficult. So cash flow is going to be still important for clubs. And I, I think, um, yeah, it's going to take a year or two years for some of this to really impact some of these facilities. From a Perth point of view, I can see some of the the lower-tier private clubs starting to, to head even more towards being public. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I think last year we spoke about that. It used to be that you had public at one end, you had private at the other, and in the middle you had the resorts that sort of, it's did some public and some private, but now the, the, a lot of the private clubs are doing Monday, Tuesday, might even do a Wednesday with public rounds. I think that's going to occur more. So the public space and the private clubs are all going to get muddied in the middle um, because these, some of these private clubs won't have enough funds to, to keep going unless they're getting some public rounds through. So it's going to be an interesting period of time. Um, and, yeah, that's why I think some of those venues have got the – other revenues coming through, even though they they'll be impacted, will still still have um, still have the opportunity and the cash to to, to keep
1: going. Mm. The, I mean, the venues I I fear for are the ones that are uh, not necessarily in a metropolitan area where there's a big population that can come along and support them in all of their non golf activities, but they've they've tried to grow their club in a way that emulates like a Wembley or a club, which is in a reasonably, you know, populous area. And uh, they've spent a hell of a lot of money on all sorts of non-golf facilities that aren't necessarily sustainable. Um, it, it weren't necessarily sustainable before this crisis, but will certainly be um, their downfall uh, later on. Uh, is The clubs that, you know, produce a product which is, commensurate with their sort of population and, you know, a a little little course in a country town, for example, they just, it doesn't occur to them to, to spend money on a bunch of non-golf stuff, they're, they're just happy to have a place to play golf that mm. Mm. they can keep the doors open. Half the time, they're borrowing the members' tractors to do the mowing and maintenance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so yeah. there's not a yeah.
0: there's not a lot to to sort of cut. In some ways, though. Exactly. And it, uh,
1: but then clubs get their hands on a bunch of money because they sell some land or something, and then they subtly, yeah, they yeah. try and pump it up. And and I, I think that's the issue that golf's faced over the years, where Club see other clubs have success doing that and they and everybody thinks, oh, we can replicate that success everywhere, but you can't. It depends so much on the population that is around the club and what sort of, um, you know, yeah, what's its... It's,
2: it's very spending specific. I mean, even from, with the example of the cut, we, you know, it's in the Mandra but it's in the southern end of Mandra. So their business model is different from, say, Mandurah Country Club, which is only 10 minutes up the road. Just from... Um, the demographic point of view, there's a bridge that goes across the literally the cut that outflows into the Indian Ocean, and that's like a barrier, it's like a social barrier. People that live south of that bridge don't go across it, and then you learn all these things. So, it, yeah, venues are very um, um, site specific in a way. Yeah. And if they've copied other venues just because it looked like a good idea, um, it could be interesting. I mean, we've, we've worked with South Perth and said, Look, we're not going to copy Wembley just because it's Wembley we recommend we do X, Y, and Z because they're great ideas and they, they bring people in and they'll, they'll pay for themselves. But don't copy Wembley just because Wembley did it. I think that's, as you said, Adrian, that's a really important point because you do fall into that trap and all of a sudden, oh, hang on, this doesn't work as well as um, someone else did it.
1: Yeah, and there's room in golf for every type of golf club. There's the private Absolutely. clubs with the big fences and don't let anybody on the property um if you if that's what you want out of golf then that's always going to be available um and then there's right right through to uh public courses that have still got their doors open for golf in new south wales now and still taking all comers um so uh yeah i mean golf has room for everybody but it's a matter of um you know these constraints really bring into focus what's important to a club in the area that it's at and what's not so important what they can actually do without and uh uh, that, that, to me, is going to be the biggest change that emerges out of this as the, the shake-up of everybody's business model. Do you think, Matt, within the industry,
0: golf often gets accused of you know, being stuck in the past and all those sorts of things. I don't think that's true as a generalisation, though certainly some elements of it are. Nothing changes unless it's forced to in any industry golf is certainly If you're going okay, why would you change stuff? That wouldn't make any sense. These sorts of things force people to change, don't they? Is your sense yet, we're very early on in this, is your sense yet that there are already people starting to look 6, 12 and 18 months ahead and think about what way things might work and the way things might be better on the other side? Or are, are we still too early where the unknowns are too many to even start speculating? I know that the PGA Tour and European Tour They're all talking about trying to cram in this major season at the end of the year. It seems to me complete folly. I can't imagine that come September, August, they're talking about for the PGA Championship. I can't imagine that come August, America's going to be in any position, any part of America, to host a major golf tour. I understand they have to plan for it just in case, but common sense tells you that it's just about done. So at what point does the switch flip and we say, right, Let's start thinking not about the day-to-day right now, but how are we going to, what are we going to look like and how do we get there in 12,
2: 18 months, two years from now? Look, I think the the the, the smart people are doing that now, Rod. I think, um, I mean, from Clublink's point of view, we're, we've gone through the close-down process and all that risk stuff. We're now working as a business to say, okay, mm. how are we going to open, how are we going to get through the next six months, 12 months, 18 months and, and forward? Um, and, yeah, you've got to think about It's not business as usual. It's going to change. Um, As I said, food and beverage was a big part of our businesses, and I think most golf clubs, that's the social glue for for a lot of clubs where people gather afterwards. Is food and beverage going to be the same? Are the operators coming back? We work with a food and beverage operator here. We partnered with them for a long time. He shut his business down, The, the general manager. I rang him, and he shut his business down in a day. And Jeez. they had weddings
1: awesome, and it, when yeah. you see the writing on the wall, <laughs> you just got to yeah you've gotta
2: because act, they, yeah he had he, you know he had uh, a big component of their business was functions and weddings at other venues and Wembley's a big uh, wedding venue I think they fifty three fifty five weddings a year wow. and all those restrictions came in and basically in a day his business was closed so. Um, You know, we want to work with these people moving forward, but I think his business will be different. Um, You lose staff, you've laid staff off, then possibly not coming back. We've got great casuals at at Collier Park. Are they going to come back and work for us? We don't know. We don't know. We just, until we open that door, (laughs) um, it's going to be, it's hard. But, yeah, we're planning for, it's a different environment. What can we do to, to keep people employed, keep golfers back? We've got teaching pros, for example, You know, mm. they're all on um, contracts. So they're basically um, having to do stuff online or different things now. So when do we get them back? So the whole industry will take a while to, to ramp up. And then yeah, the smart, smart people, and there's plenty of those in golf, will be looking at their sort of forecast for end of this year and end of next year and where do they sit. As I said, I think from a retail point of view, we, we'll be changing our retail model to – unfortunately for the suppliers, but you just can't carry a lot of hardware anymore. It just doesn't work. So there'll be a readjustment there. And I think next, even in 2021, I think we'll still be readjusting our business um, to suit the circumstance.
0: That's it. It's an interesting lesson about business this, isn't it? And I was listening to you talk there and it strikes me that the reality we all say business this and business that and when things come out the other side and we'll do this and that. The truth about business is, Matt, that good businesses, even good public businesses, as in public golf courses run by councils, they're about people and they're built on people, aren't they? So your food and beverage provider who has spent those years getting the right people in place so that his business is a good business that you're happy with his service the customers are happy the other venues he works with are happy because he's got the right people in the right places you're right that could all disappear overnight through no fault of his own you can't just pick up and snap your fingers and have that business back you've got to find new people it'll be the right people you're going to go through some wrong people before you find the right people none of it's as straightforward as it's over now let's pick up where we left off is it um
2: uh, no, that's correct. I mean, there was a there was a councillor, I think I told the story last year, but there was a councillor at uh, Cambridge who used to come and see me and all he said was staff and stock, staff and stock, that's all you need to worry about. So we can get the stock bit sorted out, but yeah. staff are um, really crucial to the success of a venue and uh, we've got great teams at both venues and most clubs do and some of these people aren't coming back. They're not going to be into golf anymore for whatever reason that's going to take a while to fill those holes and some of those roles may be not even there. So, yeah, the, the human side to it and the staffing side to it is going to be one of the big challenges, I think, for um, when we get when we get back and reopen is you build these teams in the camaraderie and it's, that's why I don't like working from home because you're talking to people all day and you're seeing your team and you, know, you get to know them and now you don't see anyone for a while. Um, and even if you do things on Teams or you know, Skype, whatever—it's not the same. No. So there are going to be there are going to be some issues with you know, people not coming back or not having jobs. It's going to be one of the big challenges, I think, when we reopen. Yeah.
1: Everything just moves a lot slower, doesn't it? When you can't just pop around to somebody's desk or you know go and go and yeah. see them in the shop or something like that it's <laughs> just, just have a coffee. <laughs> it feels like you're moving through molasses. Just yeah. um, it's just an extra friction um, yeah. on your everyday everyday tasks. But yeah, Australia. I mean, you make a good point there. Australia. This Australia will be affected by this. Australian golf will be affected by this a lot more than other countries, and it's a, it's something that we need to factor into our decisions from a government point of view or governing bodies about recommendations when we get back to playing golf, because uh, we, Australian golf clubs are quite big businesses, many of them, particularly the metropolitan clubs, and it's different to clubs in other parts of the world who will be far less impacted by this because they're used to shutting down for six yeah. or even, you know, eight yeah, months yeah. every year. They they might keep a restaurant open, but a lot of clubs in Europe, the um, restaurant or even the pro shop is, is a different business. It's not actually a, a part of the golf club and they'll, they'll stay open, but a lot of those close as well. And so uh, it's something I've always found um uh, that you know, playing golf in Europe or in England, there there is this a much more conservative approach to clubhouses and and the facilities that are at the golf club. And it occurs to me that they really need to be set up so that they can run the whole course with you know a couple of staff in the clubhouse and you know half a dozen people out on the golf course, because they've kind of got to pay those people year round, but they only get a season's worth of revenue. So they've been operating under these constraints for a long time. Unfortunately, they're going into their winter, so they they are going to be hurt quite a lot by this. And uh, if if in certain countries clubs can't be maintained, then there's an enormous bill to pay at the other end of this. If you can't maintain golf courses and you have to regrass everything,
0: what well, New Zealand's got.
1: Which major what's happening in, in New Zealand, zealand, zealand.
0: Yeah. yeah well that's surely there's some surely common sense will prevail at some point there i mean that would almost be criminally I think, negli- criminally negligent uh, if they didn't allow some maintenance of facilities that's
1: yeah and that came as an announcement from golf new zealand it's in their official advice is you can't maintain your facilities but I, I think my understanding is that a lot of courses are finding a way to send you know just at least one person out there just to keep the grass down Um, at least once a week Um, but yeah it's a fascinating thing that that got shut down so quickly
0: question for you both we'll start with you matt then i'll come to you adrian broadly speaking are you optimistic It, uh, it of all the things we've been discussing today it wouldn't be difficult to have a pretty bleak outlook for for golf and everything else truth be told but the game has survived for Half a millennia, hasn't it? 500 years or more. Uh, and it's had some big things thrown at it before. Are you broadly, as has humanity, are you broadly optimistic, Matt, about golf? Uh,
2: yeah, I am. I think, um, you know, as we've discussed, there's going to be a self-correction. But I think the opportunities um, that we're seeing are, are still there. Um, I think the the real hard thing for us is just the uncertainty. If if we we knew we were shut down for three months and then could reopen, it would make life a lot easier but that's not the case. Um, So probably uncertainty is the hard thing for us. It's hard for the staff Um, but I think yeah, once, once we, we get through this. I think golf, it's interesting because my, my young boy plays basketball and soccer, can't do either of those. And one of the things he said to me when he found out that was, oh, I might as well go and play golf again. <laughs> it was sort of, but he, you know, he just wants to play a sport. Yeah. And um, I think there's going to be an opportunity um, really early on if we're really smart because a lot of these structured competitions, you know, he's registered for soccer. I don't think that will start before June, best case basketball probably the whole winter season is going to be gone so a lot of those structured competitions are going to be impacted especially winter sports and it's a great opportunity to get kids back out and playing some golf because that's all they've got and okay not the greatest start to the to the to the day but um we might get some some kids back in playing golf again or some beginners you know just people that haven't thought of golf as an opportunity might see it now i think tennis is in the same position as well where it's it's got that opportunity So yeah I'm positive yeah. It's just, not just um, kids
0: either is it it's, it's people who compete at sport And have had that competitive outlet cut off They need to yeah. compete at something And if golf's the yep. only game in town Well then golf is going to be Yeah
2: absolutely So so we, we just need to make sure That when we get that opportunity um, That we grab it and we do it well If we don't we've, we've missed a, a golden opportunity to, to get some people back in the game And we were seeing that towards the end of the Before we closed that the numbers were pretty strong because yeah. people were going, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well go and play golf, okay? Yeah. Let's let's work with you and, and keep you. Yeah. Um, you know, if a 13-year-old can go and go, I might as well play golf because I've got nothing else to do, how do we then keep him and get him enthused again with that game? So yeah. I'm, I'm very optimistic.
0: Well, the first thing you do is you institute a dress code, of course, and insist that he has to have a full <laughs> set of golf clubs and all the accessories <laughs> that go with it. Uh, that, well, that's why the practice so important.
2: To- <laughs> <laughs> ways, you know, he goes, playing, playing your T-shirt, playing as long as you've got yeah. a pair of shoes on, shorts and a T-shirt, yeah. wear your cap backwards. Oh, that's where I, they want to learn.
0: I had that discussion for about two or three days this week on Twitter. There's one of the downsides of there being no golf on. People want to engage for much longer about all that sort of stuff. Adrian, what about you? Are you optimistic broadly about... I am. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. in Matt's camp. I think there's... There'll be a difficult period, but I think there's some... Uh, almost
1: inevitably good comes out of these things eventually mm-hmm. well i mean this has been a reasonably depressing discussion but <laughs>
2: God <the it>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the message i give to australian golfers in particular is you know a lot of other countries don't get to play golf for six or eight months a year and um and here we are absolutely distraught over losing a few weeks of golf so far <laughs> right. um just get over that for a start, but. I think what we'll find is golf will be one of the first sports to recover. And right now the focus is correctly on flattening the curve, as they say. Mm -hmm. And Australians should all be pretty focused on that. But you are fighting a battle against time. Like you can't let it go on forever and just have the economy in hibernation. That's that's a very euphemistic view of how the economy works to say that you can just hibernate it. Because – people just run out of money so and golf clubs are going to run out of money and we're going to lose a lot of golf clubs if it goes on for too long but I see golf as an opportunity i've got to be hesitant to use the word opportunity at a time like this but um, the the potential is for golf to get back earlier than any other sport because I went for a drive the other day and I tell you what the streets are packed with joggers and and walkers and dog walkers and and they're not staying a a fair distance you know those people have got to sort of get through little bottlenecks in roads and bridges and and sidewalks and things and they're brushing up against each other all the time and those are approved activities and you just do not see that on a golf course that's following the the rules for social distancing people are hundreds of meters apart uh, apart from their playing partners or their single playing partner Uh, so golf courses are are clearly doing it far safer than those other activities that you see around city streets. And yet it is probably correct that we should be shutting it down because other sports are shut down and just be patient with that. But as soon as that curve starts to get flattened, I'd be really pushing for golf to be the sport that should be, um, one of the main sources of exercise for a lot of people, any, any able-bodied or well, uh, almost anybody can play golf able-bodied or not. And, uh, we should be really encouraging it as, as one of the forms of exercise that are going to be very safe once that we've flattened the curve a little bit. And I think that's
0: particularly so, true if some of those accessories of the game we've been talking about in the excesses of the game, which have been peeled back uh, for those of you, know, the, the gardens and all of those things that we've talked about for so long, Adrian. If those paths. fall away, yeah, the paths and the, all of that ball washers. stuff.
1: Good riddance to ball washers. Don't you know, just pack them away. Exactly. <laughs> if,
0: if the game that people do come to is that simpler – uh, more engaged game I think that people like you and I fell in love with I think that'll be to the good of the game and the people who who come to it so yes I, I think there's some but it is, It's is exa- you're exactly right it's about how long this goes for because you know, we know we're going to lose some clubs it, th- and as I said the danger is that we're going to lose the clubs that we actually need to keep open there's that, that sort of middle tier
1: yeah. they're the ones that need to be there when golf starts up again and if we lose them then and, be, and yeah. that's just the economic impact as well. Yeah, that's right, quite, of course. The lack of exercise that yep. a lot of these elderly golfers, in particular, mm-hmm. were getting—walking around the block is no substitute for walking eighteen holes. No. And uh, people are getting a lot less exercise, and the health benefits of exercise are enormous. So, the while we're doing this to
0: of the exercise and, and the mental benefits. Well. with golf. there's two. There's yep. a double whammy there.
1: Maybe. That's right. And, and the and social things. aspects of that yeah. and the mental health that comes with, with those social aspects. And, you know, you've got all sorts of other obscure things like, um, you know, just the ability to go to work each day, each day is a lot of people's exercise just during their commute. Mm. Um, you've probably also got people who are in less than ideal home environments who they're stuck at home now, you know, that's uh, and they're probably living through some pretty bad experiences. So, well, Matt, he's just
0: right. He's right there. I mean. he's, he's, he's adjudicating <laughs> World War Three between <laughs> a couple of teenagers thirteen and eighteen old, year old trying to homeschool one. <laughs> oh, I feel for you, Matt. I do. Uh, it's awful. <laughs> Uh, perhaps a little bit of a silver lining on what is clearly a bit of a cloud. But, uh, Matt, it's been fantastic of you to come along and uh, and have a chat. Really enjoyed it. Uh, oh, yeah. quick, Thanks quick, for the invite. Quickly run us through what is happening there at Collier Park. Has all your projects been put on hold? It sounds like you were about to launch into, which is something we spoke about before, golf needing to be more than just golf, golf venues. It sounds like that's the... The, the way forward for Collier Park. Have I got that right? Is that what you're sort of thinking?
2: Yeah, so, so CSL Perth have uh, approved a mini-golf project that we've been working with them for probably the last 12 months. So the the first stage of that is just the design and, and documentation and then I'll have a Cham- review of that, that. Chamberlain effort will oh, it be? Depends on how nice Richard yeah. is to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Richard, uh, Richard Chamberlain makes great, <laughs> great mini-golf. Um, yeah. But we are, to be honest, one of the things we're looking at, and we spoke about not copying other venues, is what can we do that's different so it's not just another mini-golf that looks like Wembley's or someone else's. So we're working through that. Um, And then the bigger plan that Collier Park has been for the last 12 months is this recreation and aquatic facility um, project that's come through um, some federal funding, and uh, uh, community demand, City South Perth stuff. So that's that's getting into um, more detailed design. So they're looking at um, putting facility on some of the golf holes at Collier Park, but that could be really great for golf. And if it goes ahead, you're talking about a venue that's probably going to see a million people a year go through it, wow. at least. Really? So it becomes, you know, basketball courts, pool, gym, golf, new range. It, it would be a monster facility. So... They've engaged an architect and they've got some sub-consultants on there, so they're working through that. Even in lockdown, you can do that sort of work. Yeah. So um, still a long way to go on that project, but it's, it's got potential to be, I think, a game-changer for golf in um, definitely in the public space because you're co-locating with other sports. You're bringing um, – one of the big challenges at Collier Park is that Curtin University is across the road and um, – when they operating normally, there's thirty thousand people a day there, and we we don't see very many of those at all because we just don't have anything really to attract students. Um, but if you've got you know a gym and the driving range, it's got some technology, or you know, you've got um, swimming pools, you're going to get those students, cheap beer, all that stuff in one spot. That will bring those people over as well. So it's going to expose the game of golf to a lot more people than um, just a public golf course on its own so that's exciting but no, a yeah, long way to go yeah, before that's yeah. approved
0: and so, all of course yeah. stalled by this no doubt as well I mean it'll, no doubt it'll be moving but it won't be moving at quite the pace and have the momentum
2: yeah well. yeah, no, it, 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 you can still do some stuff off- offline but it's, yeah, it's, yes. it's going to slow that process um, just because you can't see people and, and be on site and do those things um, so, so no
0: pictures of people with the big plans rolled out and the hard hat on on the bonnet of the four wheel drive no. and pointing
2: no we're going to miss out on that <laughs> we all suffer now <laughs>
0: we've all missed out on something
2: there <laughs> Or well, you could get Richard to point from his house in the goalpost. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> and send, send us a selfie. I
0: love, the, I love the sound of the direction. I, I loved talking to you last year about this sort of stuff. I was enthused by the way you think and the way that you sort of approach the public golf equation and its importance in the whole thing. And I'm, I'm enthused again having spoken to you today. So while the topic hasn't been particularly happy, uh, I think I've come away like you a bit optimistic. It's been fantastic
2: of you to take some time, mate. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for the
1: opportunity. Yep. And like, it's been a right to chat to you too, I suppose. Thanks, Rod. It was uh, yeah, an uplifting conversation. <laughs> Apologies to our, our listeners. We'll come back with something uh,
0: they're, they're, it's more joyful stuff, I mean, next you, week. You can't cheerlead all the time. I mean, that ignores problems, doesn't it? The, the truth is there's a lot of hard stuff to come, so you're better off to be face a it. And, yeah. And, but having said Not that, you know, people have still got golf. If you're absolutely determined, you can play golf in most parts of Australia at the moment. So if that's what you want to do, take that opportunity. Best of luck to you. it uh, been good to have your company here on episode 26 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. And all things going well, we'll be back next week with episode 27 here at the Good Good Golf Podcast.